Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just raise your hands? Thank the Lord. Come on, let's raise our hands and worship Him. Come on, worship Him with me, would you please? Hallelujah, Father. Come on, raise your hands and worship Him. He is worthy. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. God, in the very depths of our soul, we say, thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we raise our hands and we say, thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The most attractive thing in the whole world is a saint loving Jesus with all their heart. Hallelujah. The most attractive thing is a saint that's going through difficult times, raising their hands and worshiping the Lord. We love you, Jesus. We trust you, Lord, with all of our hearts, oh God. God, I pray that, that you would walk up and down the aisles of this church today. I pray, oh God, that you would go into the cafe. I pray that you would go via live stream, Lord God. And God, this sermon would go viral, Lord, across the world, God. That, that people would recognize, Lord, that there's shallow praise, there's deep praise. And God, we want to be deep praisers. God, we don't want to be shallow in our, in our lives, but we want to be deep, Lord God. Deep calleth unto deep, Lord. Lord, we want to enter into that place, that secret place, Lord, where few ever find, God, where we see you in your glory, God. Lord, like, like Moses cried out, Lord, show me your glory. We cry out, show us your glory, God. Let the light of your spirit shine with us and in us and through us Lord would you would you take us into that secret place Lord as David cried out one thing I ask one thing I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to be, behold the beauty of the Lord God give us a passion a desire to know you in the secret place Lord to praise you in the open place. Move up and down the aisles of this church, Holy Spirit. Bring hope. Let there be an awakening of hope, an awakening of courage, an awakening of love, an awakening of compassion, an awakening of worship. Let there be an awakening of praise, true praise and worship, Lord that flows out of the depths of our being, God. We love you, Lord. Oh, come on, raise your hands again and just worship him, worship him, worship him. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Father, Abba, Father, be glorified today. In the name of Yeshua we pray. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Before I preach this morning, I just want to make one announcement, and that is that uh, we have not renewed the lease for the Lutheran Church. Um, so we are looking for another space. Uh, we, we gave it our best shot on a Sunday night. Uh, we, we believe that uh, God opened that door for us and, and he did for a year and we planted some incredible seeds there 
in, in Freeport, and we believe that God's going to continue to do a work. The team is re-strategizing, and one of the things that we're really praying about is to get something on a Sunday morning. Uh, one thing we realize is that people go to church on Sunday morning. And uh, Sunday night's really tough for people. And um, so we gave it our shot. We couldn't find anything that would open up to us on Sunday morning. So we're looking. We're looking for something on Sunday morning. So keep, on, keep us in prayer. We're not rushing it. We are actually regrouping. And uh, we're going to continue to have small groups in Freeport. We're going to continue to reach out, do outreaches in Freeport. Uh, but pray that God shows us uh, and gives us a miracle of a, of a building. Because uh, we, we are not giving up. We're reprioritizing. So just so you know that, uh, we are not renewing the lease for that, so we won't be meeting on Sunday nights for now there in, in Freeport. Please, men, we're really excited about the men's retreat, and um, you guys are going to miss out on a phenomenal retreat if you don't sign up for this. In fact, wives, buy your, your husband a gift and send them on the retreat, and then go shopping with all the other money. But... But I, I, really, I really tell you guys, you've got to get away. You have to get away. You've got to uh, hear what the Lord has to say. Beautiful, beautiful place where you can. Um, it's on the river, on the Delaware River, and it is gorgeous. And uh, I'm trying to you know, do everything I can to be there. But, but the biggest thing of all is that there's going to be a group of men that really, really, really are going to seek God and his face and we've got a lot of different speakers this year as well several different ones so I want to encourage you to do that turn in your Bibles if you would to John chapter 12 and and I want to ask you a question and, and this is the title of my sermon today are you shallow are you shallow John chapter 12 verse 12 and Pastor Henry alluded to it in communion and I want to continue on this vein of talking about what happened on Palm Sunday. The next day, a great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Now this morning, we are entering into what is commonly called the Passion Week. To millions of people, this week symbolizes the most important week in all of history. And with this passage, we embark on the last act of the drama in Jesus' life. And here indeed we find a very dramatic moment. Very dramatic moment. And as if we are watching a movie and we mustn't get up to get a cup of coffee or get ourselves a glass of water because if we miss that moment in the movie have you ever watched a movie where you knew if you got up you'd miss something I mean you, and, and you just you just did whatever you could to stay focused because you knew that you would not be able to get the essence of the film if you got up at that moment no pause button no rewind no TiVo there's just this moment in time that expresses something that we can all learn something about this act, this drama. And Jesus is the main character in this drama. But no one is getting the meaning of the moment. No one is getting the meaning of this drama. Like a very introspective film, you must listen very carefully to what God is really saying in this moment. 
you and I must pay close attention to the motives and the actions behind the actors and those that are in the play, the drama itself. The producer, God himself, wants us to learn something powerful. And you and I must be willing to do everything we can to stop what we're doing and really focus in on this drama. I want to pray for you this moment, for a moment, that God would give you wisdom to understand the depth of what I'm going to tell you this morning. Close your eyes for one more moment. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would arrest our hearts. God, that this would be a moment in time, Lord, that we would that we would peer into heaven, that we would lean over, that we wouldn't get up, Lord, but that we would stay focused on this drama, because you really want to say something. In the name of Jesus, I pray, and everyone says, it is Passover week, and Jerusalem is really a busy place during Passover week. People from all over Israel and beyond have made their annual pilgrimage to the Jerusalem place. And they have absolutely 100% come there excited about what God wants to do. It's a pilgrimage of faith. It's a pilgrimage of hope. It's a pilgrimage of remembering. They're remembering what God did when God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt. They're remembering the time when God sent Moses into Egypt so that the people could be set free from their slavery. They were slaves for 400 years. And they cried out to the Lord. And they said, Lord, save us now. And God waited a whole long time to do it. But then, after 400 years, in the right time, they sent Moses into the promised land. And the people of Israel were delivered. During that time, God said, because of the hardness of Pharaoh's heart, because of the wickedness of the Egyptians, that God would once again pour out some plagues upon them. They would not listen. They would not let the people of Israel go. So God had to, in some ways, make the punishments even worse. Each time he poured out a punishment or a judgment or a way in which he was trying to get Pharaoh to turn from his wicked ways, he would not listen. And he hardened his heart. And as a result of that, God, in his mercy, in his suffering, Sovereignty, God says, I'm going to pour out one more wrath or one more judgment or plague upon you and the firstborn of the Egyptians will die. You say, that's not mercy. Yes, it was. It's a good thing he didn't just destroy all of Egypt. But the Bible says that God in his mercy and his love, he spared the people of Israel. And the Bible told the people of Israel that, that they would take the blood of the lamb and that they would put it on the doorpost of the, their homes. And when the death angel passed by, the Bible says that they would see the blood on the doorpost and they would pass over. Thus we get the celebration of Passover. It is the holiest moment in a person's life. It is the holiest moment in an Israelite's life. Why? because they remember that there was blood that was, that was spilled and there was blood that was poured out and that there was blood that was given so that they could be set free and redeemed. And so they remember that and they celebrate that every year. To the Jew, it was a time of remembering. They would remember that God sent a great deliverer. They would remember that the lamb was provided for them. They would remember that God would send the death angel, but also send the life angel to deliver them. Passover was a most sacred moment. But to the Romans, Passover was a time of turbulence and, and great disturbance. They hated Passover time. Why? Because the soldiers knew that they had to do overtime. 
They knew that they had to be active. And they knew, they knew that they had to spend a good deal of their time keeping peace and looking out for those who would revolt against the Roman government. They remember Theatus, who was a zealot, who raised up 400 men. And during the Passover week, he led a revolt only to find himself hanging on the cross because when the Romans dealt with revolts, they, they dealt with it cruelly. And they hung all 400 of them on crosses to, to make an open display that this is what happens when you revolt against the Roman government. They knew that Passover could bring a lot of trouble, so they were ready. It's in this setting that Jesus decides to make his public appearance to what is known today, Palm Sunday. Now let's step back for a few moments and see what is going on in the life and ministry of Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus was active doing great ministry. In fact, up to this point, we find that, that his ministry crescendos and we find that there is a, 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 a movement in the air of excitement because people are beginning to see that this guy's got something to say. He's preaching the kingdom of God. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's feeding the hungry. He's bringing hope to the hopeless. And he's literally raising the dead. In fact, it's in Bethlehem that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead in the same place that now people are starting to gather and people are starting to see that there's something about this king there's something about this prophet there's something about this healer there's something about this miracle work worker that they're, they're waiting for this Messiah to come and they believe that this might be the Messiah now if you go to John chapter 12 verse 1 you find that six days before the Passover, Jesus once again arrives in Bethany. And he goes into Lazarus' house, the very one that he raised from the dead. And he's having a party, a celebration. And the Bible says that while he's celebrating with Lazarus, that Mary, because she loves Jesus so much, because she recognized where she was in life, and when Jesus came into her life, Jesus delivered her, Jesus set her free from demons, and, and Jesus caused great things to begin to happen in her life. And she was so overjoyed at the presence of Jesus, that the Bible says that she got the most expensive perfume that she can find, and she broke that alabaster box open, and she poured that perfume on Jesus, and then she began to weep and cry out of the depth of her soul she was worshipping the living God out of the depth of her soul she was worshipping the Messiah out of the depth of gratitude she was worshipping Jesus the Bible says that she let her hair down she began to wipe his feet with her hair and when Judas saw this he said what a waste of money this, this, this perfume could have been sold and given to the poor and Jesus said Judas you missed your time of visitation I came into your house house you didn't kiss me I came into your house and you didn't wash my feet I came into your house you didn't even say hello but this woman she's preparing my body for my burial and this will not be taken away from her why because this is an act of true worship she loves me from her heart no matter what happens in her life she's willing to trust me because she knows that I'm a sovereign God the Bible says in verse 12 the next day great crowds had come for the feast and they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and they took palm branches and they went out to meet him shouting Hosanna Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord blessed is he who is the king of Israel 
Now Jesus is riding on a donkey. The king of creation. The king, the author of life. The Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The one who raised the dead. The one who spoke and he created all things by him and for him and through him. All things were created so that he might have supremacy over all things. He's the Lord of creation. He does not come in a white stallion. But he comes on a donkey, lowly, humble as the word of the Lord says. Your king will come into Jerusalem on a donkey. And they begin to spread their garments on the road and they begin to cut palm branches from the trees while others were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Which means save now. What they were saying is, blessed is he who's going to save us now. Who's going to deliver us now. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Who's going to rescue us from the Roman oppression and destroy our enemies now. And the crowd is in a frenzy. The crowd was ecstatic with incredible joy. People were celebrating in the streets. I, I remember when when Saddam Hussein was captured and then put to death and how there was celebration that happened in the streets as the Iraqi people they, they, they knew that they were going to be set free from this this monster and they were dancing in the streets they they took off their shirts and they were waving them in the in the sky and and they pulled down that statue and they were just celebrating and it's in this scene that we find Jesus he comes in in on a donkey these people are ecstatic they are having an incredible celebration it's as if uh, it's as if they understood. It's as, as if they really, really understood that He was God. And the truth is, everything that they said was true. Everything they said with their lips was true. But Jesus is unimpressed. Jesus is not going to allow Himself to be pulled into the moment. Jesus would not allow himself to falsely be moved by their excitement. In fact, you would have thought that Jesus would have pulled out his smartphone and got on Facebook and said, Hey guys, check it out. We got to go viral. Look at these people going crazy. They're hailing me as the king. You would have thought that he would have put it on YouTube so everybody would have saw that he was the king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You would have thought that he would have pulled out his cell phone and started to Twitter everyone and say, Guess what? I am the Messiah. Look, these people are celebrating. But he is unmoved by their joy. He is unimpressed by their actions. Jesus is not impressed. In fact, he is actually heartbroken by the crowd and their response. In fact, he, after he travels through Jerusalem, immediately after that triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, notice what Jesus does. He goes up to a, a hill and looks down at Jerusalem and the Bible says Jesus wept. He begins to weep. He is disturbed in his spirit. You would have thought, wow, he would have been so excited. But Jesus weeps over Jerusalem and notice what he says. He says, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would have brought you true peace in your life. But now it's hidden from you. He said, in, in just a short time, the temple will be destroyed. He said, they will dash you to pieces. They will come in and destroy Jerusalem. And he begins to weep 
because he cries out to his father says help them to understand because they don't understand this was their day of visitation this was the moment in which I came in and they could have recognized that I truly was the Messiah that I truly was God but I'm not impressed with their worship father I'm not impressed with their shouts of praise I'm not impressed with their outward display of emotion because they really don't understand they're praising me with their lips but their hearts are far from me I'm not impressed with your shouts of praise he said with your outward display of affection because you really don't know who you're really embracing today I'm not impressed with your worship because you really don't understand what's going to happen in a few days. I'm not impressed with your shouts of praise because it's shallow praise that comes from shallow devotion from a shallow heart. Why did he say that? Why did he issue such an indictment against people that were just celebrating and speaking truth about Jesus? Because he knew in just a few days their shouts of joy would turn into shouts of hatred. He knew just in a few days that big crowd would dissipate. He knew, he could see in a few short days that their shouts of praise would turn into shouts of bitterness. That their hosannas would turn into crucify him. That their acts of passion would turn into acts of rage. And the same people who praised him would now condemn him to die on a cross. That loving crowd would turn into a hate-filled crowd. That peaceful crowd would turn into an angry mob that wanted his blood. Why? Because Jesus refused to do what they wanted him to do. Because Jesus wouldn't do what they were crying out for Jesus to do. They wanted to gather the troops and storm the palace. They wanted to, to choose a strategy by which Jesus would overthrow the Roman government now. They wanted him to rise up as their fearful leader or their fear, fearless leader and to be bold and to be arrogant and to be militant and mighty. But he chose instead to be a servant as he washes his disciples' feet and he tells his disciples, if you're going to be like God, you've got to hate your enemy. You've got to love your enemies. Those who hate you, you've got to love them. You've got to wash their feet. You've got to go the second mile if a soldier tells you to go one mile you will go two miles he chooses peace instead of hatred he chooses to forgive instead of rising up and destroying his enemies he chooses to wash people's feet he chooses to die on the cross he chooses forgiveness as he cries out father you see these Roman soldiers forgive them for they know not what they're doing and as the people are watching him hanging on the cross they begin to shout uh, words of bitterness and hostility. Why? Because they were angry at God. Why? Because Jesus didn't do what Jesus said he would do in their minds, in their hearts. They believe he was coming to save them now, but he had a different plan. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when God changes the plan? What do you do when God doesn't answer your prayer the way that you pray it? Shallow praise from shallow hearts listen to me I find it I I in my own life find it so easy to cheer for Jesus when things are going my way man I, I find it so easy to praise the Lord when I feel good physically I find it so easy to praise the Lord when everyone's on my side I find it so easy to praise God 
when my miracle comes in my time, in my way. But what happens when things don't go my way? When God doesn't choose to deliver me the way we expect to be delivered. When we face oppression in our life. When we face trials and tribulations in our life. When we're misunderstood. When we're persecuted. When God doesn't come through the way that we thought that He would come through. Too often the cheering comes to a halt. The people of Israel were shallow worshipers. They, pra they praised God with a shallow heart with shallow devotion. You know, it seemed like every time things were going well in their life, they pulled out the palm branches and they started to, to, to worship God and praise the Lord. They, they come out of Egypt, the Bible says, with a shout of praise. Two days later, they want to destroy Moses and go back to Egypt. Five days later, they can't find water and they want to kill Moses again and go back to Egypt. And instead of praising the Lord, they started grumbling because God didn't do it their way. It's easy to praise the Lord when you're on the other side of the Red Sea. I said it's easy to praise the Lord when you're on the other side of the Red Sea. It's easy to praise the Lord when everything's going well in our life. As long as they knew how God was going to provide. As long as they knew when God was going to provide. As long as they knew... That God was going to do it in their time. They were a happy bunch of praisers. They were a content group of worshipers. As long as they knew why God was doing what He was doing, they were devoted followers of Christ. You know, when I was a kid, I would ask my mom, why? Have you ever asked your parents, why? And my mother would say, because I told you to. Because I told you so. Why? Because I told you so. Now, there are times as parents that we should tell our kids why. But sometimes we can't tell our kids why because they can't understand. They've just got to trust us. And so often we cry out to God like little children. Why God? Why not now God? I want it now. Hosanna means save me now. Deliver me now. Give me what I need now. Give me what I want now. But as soon as things changed... The cheering stopped, the praise ceased, the worship halted, and the love stopped flowing. Shallow praise from a shallow devotion flowing from a shallow heart. What is, what is shallow praise? What is shallow worship? Shallow praise says, I will praise you, God, if you keep on blessing me. Here's the deal, God. I'll even write it on a contract. I'll sign the bottom of it. God, as long as you deliver me when I need to be delivered, I'll keep on praising. The praise will keep on coming. As long as you give me what I want, when I want it, the praise will keep on coming. As long as you do what I want you to do, I'll continue to worship you. Shallow praise says, I will praise you, God, and I will keep on doing that if you do what I want you to do in my time, in my way, with my approval. But the truth is, listen to me, God's ways are never... Always. I said God's ways are never our ways. Psalm 77 says, Your ways, O God, are holy. Do you know what you know what holy means? Holy means different. Holy means that we can't understand all of God's ways because they're so pure. His ways are always motivated by purity. His ways are always motivated 
by what is best for us. His ways are always motivated by unconditional love for us. His ways are holy because His ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. How do we bring a big God into our world? How do we get God to understand our ways? How do we get God, this big God who created the heavens and the earth, who knows exactly why He does what He does, to come into our small world and do it our way? See, that's always been the problem. Man has always demanded the how and the why. Let me say that again. Man has always demanded the how and the why. God, I'll trust you, God, as long as you show me why. God, I'll trust you as, as long as you show me when. I'll trust you, Lord, as long as you show me how you're going to do it. But you see, a true worship of God understands that God is a sovereign God. And the crowd demanded, Jesus, you do it our way. They wanted a sword. Jesus chose a cross. They wanted revenge. Jesus chose forgiveness. They wanted Roman blood. Jesus chose his own blood. They wanted an earthly kingdom. Jesus chose to rule their hearts and their spirits. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Wow. God's timing is, is never our timing. Never. We always want everything now. And thank God that God doesn't always give us what we ask for right now. Because let me be honest with you, I've changed my mind a few times. Thank God that God didn't give me what I asked for right now. Some of you are, are asking God to give you that young man right now. He's not good for you. And one day you will thank the Lord that he didn't give him to you. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Glory to God. Some of, some of you are saying, God, I want this job now. And God says, if you wait, I've got a better job for you. Glory to God. Lord, I want to be married now. And God says, I'll let you be married in 10 years. And you know what? I'm going to do it the right way, not the wrong way in your life. Why? Because I'm a sovereign God. And I've got the best timing for you. Glory to God. God is always on time. He's not on your time. And you might not always like it. But I want you to know that God is always on time. He loves you with an everlasting love. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, God loves you with an everlasting love. Turn to your neighbor on the other side and say, and I want to inform you of something. You're not God. You're not God. You don't know what's best for you. I don't know what's best for me. The crowd demanded, Jesus, do it now. Hosanna, do it now. They wanted immediate satisfaction. Jesus chose the right time. Oh, as human beings, we want satisfaction. We want deliverance. We want comfort now. And so often God waits. I thank God that Galatians says, at the right time, in the fullness of time, God sent His Son. In the fullness of time, God sent His Son, born of a woman, 
born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sonship. Wow. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you're my kids. You're my children. And I do things in my time because I just know it's the right time. Because your ways are not my ways. So we have to trust God. And God's plan never needs our approval. Did you ever notice that? I mean, we, we really want to give God our approval. Like, God, you can do this right now. I give you my approval. Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem and they're going, You got our approval. Hosanna, do it now. You've got our approval. Kill them now. Destroy them now. And Jesus, my friend, never needs your approval on the plans that he has for your life. How quickly the crowd turned on Jesus when they didn't have any control over the situation. You see, a shallow praiser says to God, If you don't do it my way, if you don't do it in my time, if you don't do it the way I expect it to be done, the cheering will stop. You get no more praises. If I ask you to do it, you don't do it, not coming out of my mouth anymore. I ain't praising you anymore. But listen to me. There is a praise that comes from the depth of a devoted heart that so pleases God. There is a praise that is not dependent on circumstances. There is a worship that is not dependent on situations. There is a worship that is unconditional. There is a worship that is so deep and sincere. There is a worship that is so genuine, so powerful, so God-inspiring, so attractive, and so real and consistent that no matter what happens all around us, we will praise the Lord. There's a prayer that comes from the very core of a true worshiper's heart that creates an environment of true worship that reaches the very heart of God Himself. It becomes a beautiful perfume. It becomes a beautiful ointment. It becomes a beautiful illustration and sacrifice of a heart that is in so love with God because it comes from the depth of our very being. Deep calleth unto deep. There is a praise that is not conditional on the circumstances that becomes to God a fragrant offering that gets him off his throne and as he begins to shout and dance over his people as the Bible says that he will dance over his people why? because he sees that we love him with all of our heart no matter what's going on in our life we will say yet Lord I will praise you God I will bless you Lord God Lord they can take away my life I'll still praise you they can take away my house I'll still praise you God Lord I can go through the valley of the shadow of death I will still praise you God I can go through the fires of my life yet still will I rejoice and praise the Lord because I believe that he's a good God he's a sovereign God he's a holy God and his timing is always the right time glory to God there is a worship that comes from a lover of God that declares God's sovereignty God's providence in my life will shine like the noonday sun that will become a beacon of hope and strength to all that witness my devotion to God there's a praise that rises out of the ashes of despair that declares like the prophet Habakkuk, de Habakkuk declared I heard my heart pounding my lips quivering 
at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I waited patiently for the day of calamity to come upon the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive tree fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on up to higher heights of worship. He enables me to go to higher places in praise. He allows me to go to higher places in devotion. He allows me to go to higher places in praise in my own life. He allows me to go to deeper places, the secret place where I can get alone with God and say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it, God. I don't understand your ways, God. But yet I will kneel before you, God, and I will offer to you the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of my lips, God, because I trust you with all my heart. Glory to God. The prophet Habakkuk said, I know, God. The only way that God, you can heal your people is to afflict your people. He knew that God was about to do something in his time that would shake the very core of the nation of Israel. He would allow the nation of Israel to go back into bondage. But yet even though he saw that coming, even though he saw the judgment of God, he knew that God was a good God, that God was doing it for their benefit. God was doing it because he loved them. And he said, God, even though that there's nothing left, Lord God, even in times of leanness, even in times of heartache, even in times of destruction, God, yet I will praise you, Lord Jesus, because I know that my Lord liveth, my Redeemer liveth, and he will give me what I need when I need it even though I don't understand and the prophet declared God if this is what it takes I will still praise you if it takes leanness I will still pr trust you if it takes discipline I will still praise you whenever however whatever God I trust you with all my heart my friend that is called look at me look at me that is called the sacrifice of praise the writer of Hebrews said, let us then offer up the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips as we bring glory to God. Friend, it's not a sacrifice until it costs you something. A sacrifice, the sacrifice of praise is on the lips of those who can praise God even though they don't understand God. Who can praise God even though God hasn't given them what they needed when they wanted it. It's not a sacrifice to praise the Lord when you're on the other side of the Red Sea. It's just fun. Because you're filled with excitement and joy. Because you have what you wanted. It's only a sacrifice when you can praise God, when you don't understand what He's doing in your life. Listen to me. A deep strong, committed, devoted worshiper of God says, God, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. You are a sovereign God. God, you are stronger. You are sovereign. You are higher. Your thoughts are wiser. Your plans are better. So I will praise you even when I don't understand. It's the praise. Listen to me. As the worship team comes, it is the praise of a young mother 
who received the bad report from the doctor who still chooses to praise God and sacrifice the sacrifices of praise because she trusts God with all her heart. She believes that God is ultimately good. She believes that God is sovereign and she believes that God will reward those who diligently seek after Him. It is the praise of a dear elderly saint in the Lord who knows that she has just a short time to live but yet she will praise the Lord because she knows that when she closes her eyes on this side of eternity she'll open her eyes and turn her eyes back on Jesus and see Him face to face. The sacrifice of praise is the praise that comes from a heart of a young man who goes to school and is not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ who says, Lord, they can taunt me, they can ridicule me, they can persecute me, but yet I will praise you, Lord God, and I will trust you. The sacrifice of praise comes from the lips of those who are racked with pain and sickness and don't understand why God hasn't done it now. Yet they will praise the Lord. It's the praise of a father who doesn't know how God is going to provide for his family. Who still worships God because he simply loves God with all of his heart. It's the worship of a single adult who declares, Jesus, I will wait on you because you are my lover. Jesus, you are the joy of my life. And Lord, you are my faithful friend. And no matter what happens in my life, I will adore you and worship you and praise you with all of my heart. It is the worship of a man who lost four of his children at sea. And as he takes that same trip, the captain calls him over and says, Horatio, this is the spot where that ship went down and you lost four of your children. It's the praise that comes out of his mouth that says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet me, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless state and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin Oh, the bliss of the glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but in whole, is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Though everything around me would crumble, I know that my God is good. It is well. It is well with my soul. When I go through the valleys, it is well with my soul. When my body is wrapped with pain, it is well with my soul. When God doesn't give me what I need, it is well with my soul. When the cupboards are bare, it is well with my soul. Why? Because I love the Lord and I trust the Lord. My friend, it's easy to worship God when everything is going well. But that's not faith. It's easy to worship God when everything's going well, but that's not hope. It's easy to worship God when everything is going well, but that's not love. The truth is, the only way that we can learn deep worship, the only way that we can learn how to go deeper in God 
is through the storms of our life. David had to learn how to praise God when his family was captured at Ziglag. When the city was burned down, the Bible says that David had to learn the secret of trusting in God. And the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord and began to praise the Lord. He said, why, oh downcast are you as my soul? Put your trust in God. And he began to bless the Lord and praise the Lord. He said, though an army gather around me and besiege me, yet I will still bless the Lord. Oh my soul and all that is within me, I will praise his holy name. Paul the Apostle had to learn praise and worship in a prison cell as he began to worship the Lord the Bible says the deliverance of God came and friends let me tell you the only way you can learn deep worship is when you go into deep places deep call it under deep the only way you can see the light of his beauty is when you go into dark places the three Hebrew boys had to learn worship the hard way. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. But they said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, I'll tell you one thing, we'll never stop praising the Lord. And it was in the fire that God revealed himself because it's always in the fire that God does his best work. Let me pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would teach us how to be deep worshipers of God. Not just because we get something from you, but because we love you. God, if we only praise you when things are good, then that's not faith. My friend, when you choose to worship God, no matter the circumstance, God is glorified in you. Nothing draws men to God like a man or a woman who worships God in his suffering. When you worship God with all your heart, you silence the enemy. The devil is silenced by your worship and your praise. The devil said to God, if I take everything away from Job, then he'll stop praising you. But the truth is, Job said, naked I came into the world, naked I will leave the world. The one thing I will never stop doing is worshiping the Lord. My friend, history is filled. Keep your eyes closed. History is filled with those who praise God in the deepest and darkest nights of their soul. History is filled with those that were fed to the lions. They were being burned at the stake, nailed to the cross, sawn in two. And while they were giving their lives, they were worshiping the Lord. Millions of Christians never denying Christ. All they had to do is stop praising God and they would have been set free. But their love for God was so deep within their soul that no one could take away the cry of their heart. No one could take away the cry of their soul. The cry that said, blessed be your name in the land of plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk in the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out on me, I'll turn it back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, I will still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name, Lord, on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in this offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out on me, I'll turn it back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still 
I will say, blessed be your name. 